Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for the blessed opportunity You've given us to be able to come into Your house on this beautiful day You've blessed us with and the opportunity to be able to get back into Your Word once again. And do be with us here as we get back into the studies and the Word education so that we can truly get an education from this. We thank You so much as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Bible study of made Z in the Word education, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. This is a letter of Paul to the church at Corinth, actually answering some questions that they had for him concerning marriage. Get right into it here. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 reads, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency, that being incontinency is a word speaking of unable to control yourself. If you have this con- un inability to be able to control yourself, your your desire to have physical relations with someone can lead you into sin, into fornication, into adultery. And he's saying for that reason you have this urge in you, this temptation, don't be separate from each other too long because then you start being weak and you might fail. So if you decide to, okay, we're not going to have physical relations for a set amount of time so that we can devote all of our energy and all of our desires into serving the Lord for a particular task for a particular time. But at the end of that, come back together and have your husband and wife relationship continue so that you not be tempted of Satan. As it continues here in verse 6, But I speak this by permission and not of commandment. That's the qualifier for everything he said prior to that, verses 1 through 6 there. That this is a general practice. This is a set of recommendations given to the church at Corinth by Paul that he recommends people follow. It's not a commandment that you follow such things, but this is his advice he's giving. Verse 7, For I would that all men were even as I myself. But every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. Now if you have become a born-again Christian and you decide to devote your entire existence to serving the Lord and not have a relation with anyone else is what he's speaking of here to be celibate, to be devoted, kind of like the way some of the Catholics and some other religions do, they or try to do, I should say. 
And he's saying that that would be a worthy calling if you are called to do that by the Lord. As I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. But if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. Now, this better to marry than to burn, he's not talking only about possibility of burning in the lake of fire, but he's talking about that burning desire, that lustful desire that even not even lustful, but that passionate desire to be with someone else that burns in someone. If you have that, then you need to seek out a God-glorifying relationship with someone so that you can have that fulfilled. Because that would be your calling. But if you don't have that burning desire to be with someone else, then that's fine. You don't have to be with someone else then fully devote your attention to serving the Lord. And that's the difference. If you have that underlying desire to have a close personal relationship with someone, then follow that through. But if you do not have that underlying burning desire, then there's nothing wrong with that as well. Then you don't have to spend so much time, energy, and money to keep that relationship going because you don't have that relationship to begin with. Then you can focus completely upon your relationship with God. And that's what he's talking about. Paul, at the time that he's telling this to the church at Corinth, that was his situation. Historically, it's believed that Paul may have at one time been married and his wife died. But we don't have that confirmed. But he is talking about, for I would that all men were even as I myself. And when he's speaking of that, he was single at that time. Then he gets into the talking about widows and so forth. Widows and widowers. A good chance at a good time there because typically that's at an older age to fully devote yourself to service for the Lord. As he continues in verse 10, And unto the married I command... Yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. Now he's getting into the subject of divorce. He's, but And if she depart, let her remain unmarried, or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband, else were there were your children unclean, but now are they holy. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. So he's talking here about if you are in a marriage already and one of you becomes born again, not to leave the other, 
because you have become born again, but stay with them, work with them, try to lead them to the Lord as well. But if that individual decides they don't want to be married to you anymore because they can't relate to you anymore because you're now a Christian and they're not, then, as he says, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. This is speaking of it's in that situation that divorce is permitted, that if you have an unbeliever, that it's okay, you're not bound to them in that way, that if they decide to divorce you because you've become a Christian and they can't relate to you anymore, then you can feel okay about that. Well, you're going to have emotional feelings, of course, but he's talking about here the obligation is not there spiritually because they chose not to stay with you. It isn't your fault, in other words. Verse 16, for what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? Point out there that if you stay together, if you can stay together, stay together because there's a possibility that the other one will become born again. Keep working with them as long as you can keep the relationship together. But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk, and so ordain I in all churches." There again, going back to the qualifier. 17, wrapping it all up. How you are called, what you are called to do, follow that. Understand that by studying the Word of God, praying, listening to the Holy Ghost. He'll let you know what kind of relationship He wants you to be in and follow the guidelines that the Lord has given us. Verse 18, Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any man called uncircumcised? In uncircumcision, let him not be circumcised. Now, verse 18, he's getting into another subject here, outside of the subject of marriage, and into the subject of the obedience of the Old Testament covenant. The Old Testament covenant, the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, you may call that, where the symbol of that covenant was circumcision. So you had to be circumcised, and that was your symbol of obedience to the covenant. But if you're in the New Testament times, you're not bound under the Old Testament covenant of circumcision. That's what he's talking about. Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is it any called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing. And uncircumcision is nothing but the keeping of the commandments of God. The commandments of God, which were of the Old Testament, that don't carry over into the New Testament, is what he's speaking of. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. We might find ourselves in situations where we're thinking that because you are in a particular point in your life that you have to suddenly change that situation because you are a Christian. You've got to look at what situation that is. Here he's referring to the slave and master situation where someone was actually a bond servant or an actual slave to someone. Art thou 
called being a servant. The servant here situation is talking about being a slave. If you're a slave and you actually become born again while you're a slave, care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. If you have an opportunity of freedom, then take it. Because some of the situations were, like I mentioned earlier, a bondservant. That was someone who had entered into a contract that they were bound to serve someone because they were paying back a debt. And if you have that opportunity to be free from that situation by repaying that debt, then try to do that. Keep at it till you get that paid so you're not bound to someone else to serve someone else in such a way. There again, making you free to be able to serve the Lord in a more fulfilled way. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise also, he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. we got to know and understand that when we're born again, that we are bought with a price. Bought with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. Actually, the blood of Jesus Christ has bought everybody back. But he's specifically speaking here of your calling, which is when you become born again, you're called to be a child of the Lord, a servant of the Lord in that sense. So don't take that and then turn around and make yourself into a bond servant afterwards. Because then you are so committed and bound into that agreement that it pulls away your ability to be able to serve the Lord in a way that He wants you to serve Him. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. Now here in verse 24, it wraps up verses 18 through 23. Talking about your situation. How you are at the moment that you become a born-again Christian. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. Abiding with God. Whatever situation it is that you find yourself in, when you become a born-again Christian, then you utilize that to serve the Lord in the best way you can from that situation. Improve that situation if you can, but if you can't, still stay within that and abide in the Lord. Verse 25 here. Now concerning virgins, I have... No commandment of the Lord, yet I give my judgment as one that hath obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. Here again, he's specifying, pointing out that he's about to tell us some stuff of his opinion, his idea, his recommendation of how to deal with this subject of virgins. Verse 26. I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for a man so to be. Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed with a wife? Seek not a wife. There again, go back to the subject that he mentioned earlier. But, and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not and they that buy as though they possessed not, 
And they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. But I would have you without carefulness or an overconcern. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. So he's getting back into the subject there. If you're in a situation where you are married, you have a lot of responsibilities, a lot of duties, a lot of energy and resources to keep that marriage going in a proper way. And if you're single, then you don't have all that extra burden on you. And that's what he's speaking of here. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I speak for your own profit, and not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. There's the key once again. Attending upon the Lord without distraction. But if any man think that he behaveth himself uncommonly toward his virgin, if she pass the flower of her age and need so require, let him do what he will. He sinneth not. Let them marry. Nevertheless, he that standeth steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but hath power over his own will, and hath so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin, doeth well. So then he that giveth her in marriage doeth well, but he that giveth her not in marriage doeth better. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord. Once again, addressing those issues of that relationship. But she is happier if she so abide after my judgment, and I think also that I have the Spirit of God. Now basically, chapter 7, most of chapter 7 here, is addressing the issues of marriage on if you are married or if you are single. If you are married and you're born again and your spouse is born again, then you both have an opportunity to come together and serve the Lord. If you are single, then you have an opportunity to serve the Lord as a single person. And if you can fully devote yourself to serve the Lord as a single person, if you are so called to do so, then that's great. You have more time or more resources to be able to do that. But don't do it if you have that burn in you, that passion, that desire to have a relationship. Then obviously you're not called to be single to go ahead and seek a wife that is going to bring honor and glory to the Lord. And you two together serve the Lord. But if you are single and you're okay with being single, then that's an opportunity to serve the Lord. If you're married, then serve the Lord as being married. He's not saying to do one or the other. He's talking here also about how his situation where he, at the time that he was writing this letter to the church at Corinth, was single. Like I said earlier, it was believed that he had been married, but his wife died. 
and thus given him opportunity to fully devote his life to serving the Lord. But seek a way to be able to serve the Lord in that marriage, if you are so married, together. And that will be even more fulfilling and be an awesome testimony to others out there. So take the situation that you've been given and use it to the fullest to bring honor and glory to the Lord. All right, let's go right on over into chapter 8. reads, Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. When we seek to understand things, when we seek to have wisdom, when we obtain knowledge, sometimes it'll puff you up with some arrogance. That's what he's pointing out here. And it ends it there with, but charity edifieth. means that love, that concern for someone else. Are you showing and displaying and distributing the information that you have in a way to bring honor and glory to yourself or to benefit someone else? If you're sharing what the Lord has blessed you with to benefit someone else, then that's the edifying charity that He's speaking of. As it continues, And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. We've referred to this many times about how some people, once they learn something, they become all puffed up and they think, I know it all. I have such awesome wisdom and understanding and enlightenment. And that's the time they need to start learning. About the times you think you got it all figured out, that's the time to get started learning. Because... He clearly puts it, If any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. So if you ever think you've got all the answers, you better get learning because you don't know it at all. Verse 3, But if any man love God, the same is known of him. And that is what really counts. Loving God, knowing Him, and Him knowing you. Don't get all puffed up and arrogant, full of pride, because you have studied and you have acquired some understanding that someone else doesn't have, and suddenly you think you're so much better than anyone else that does not have that understanding. You just blew it. It's plain and simple. All right, let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter 6 here. I'm going to skip over a couple others because we'll come back to the whole chapter of Ephesians 5 and Galatians 3. I urge you to go ahead and read those. But for time's sake, let's look at Ephesians chapter 6 and on the subject matter of children once again. And here in chapter 6, since we've been speaking about families, reads, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's a very critical point that he points out here, in the Lord. Because there are situations where some parents try to get their children to do things that are ungodly, to do things that are against the Lord. Those you're not bound to follow. But in the Lord, you are bound to follow. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father 
and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. This first commandment with promise is speaking of the promise that it mentions in there about living long in the land. It means you'll be rewarded, you'll be given blessings when you follow this commandment of honoring the father and the mother. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This provoking them to wrath is if you beat them over the head with the Bible, so to speak. It's that you are so forceful upon them that they rebel and they turn away. You've done more harm to them than good. You must guide them in the right way by living the kind of example that they should be able to see in you. They should be able to see Jesus Christ in you. So that's the way that you guide them in the right way. But if you're so belligerent and forceful that they begin to rebel, then you've done more harm to them than good. So you must not provoke them in such a way. So it's a very delicate process to be able to raise up a child properly. And this is what he's speaking of. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And now he gets into matter once again about servants. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. We need to have that kind of a relationship that brings honor and glory to the Lord, even with those that are our masters in this situation he's speaking of, could be an actual slave master or a bondservant and master in that contract. We could carry this over to today to be in your employer and employee relationship. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Don't just act like you're doing the job you're supposed to be doing. Don't just appear to be a loyal employee or servant. You need to sincerely do it. With good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Like, do that job as if you're doing it for the Lord. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. And that's the important part there. It reads, And ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven. Neither is there respect of persons with him. Now he's talking about how you need to be responsible employer or master in that bond servant situation or even in a bond or even in a slave master relationship. But let's go ahead and close. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the time you've given us to be able to study your word. So help us to apply it in the right way, to understand it and then in turn share it with others. Thank you so much for the opportunity. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name, amen. Thank you all.